Thanks for listening to the Refuel Podcast. Be sure to tune in every Thursday for a new episode. God, I ask that you would uh, speak to us tonight. I ask that even though it's, it's, it's different and we may be distracted by the way things are set up, that God, instead, we will be so focused and so shaken by the reminder of how good you are and how much we need you. It'll cause us to focus on what you have to say in your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So stay where you are still. If we can turn the lights on, here's what I want to ask you to do. Okay, We're going to turn the house lights up so I can actually see you guys. Um, and, and here's what I want to ask you to do. Everybody got a handout, right? So hold your hand out up. Hold your hand out up. And what you're going to see on that handout is at the top of it, your title has a color on it. And, and, and uh, Hudson's going to pull the next slide up. And based on the color of your, based on the color of your uh, handout, that's the table that you're going to go to. And right here, there's a little diagram of where each of the tables are. And I want to tell you this. If you are sitting, listen, if you're sitting at the blue table or the green table, you need to take your chair with you and set it on the table. Or set it at the table so you can sit in it. If you are in tables three, four, five, or six, you're sitting on the floor tonight. So if your table's three, four, five, or six, you're sitting on the floor. Yes. At the blue table or the green table, you're sitting on chairs. If you're in the uh, brown, red, purple, or gold table, you're sitting on the floor. Can So just, uh, just take a minute there, and um, if you are, once you get to your table, once you get to your table, just kind of chill for a second, and then I will let you know what you need to do. I'll teach from down here. That'll work better. Yeah. So once you get to your table, I will uh, kind of instruct you what to do. So just kind of hang tight. Um, it, it, gra grab your chair if you need, if, if you're on, at the um, green table or the blue table. Um. So, um, and now here's what I want you to do. Um, why, would you mind shutting the back doors while you're back there? Just so we're kind of um, together. Now here, so here's what I want you to do. Um, we have... Um, Several different meal options, and I, we've just kind of at random gave you the, um, the colors. Um, so what I want you to do, the first thing is I want you to go ahead and take the cover off your table so you can see what your, you know, your meal is today. We, we, we made brunch for everyone, um, and I, so you can see what your meal is. And here's the next thing I want you to do. So everybody kind of stay at your seat. You, you can't go shopping here. Uh, you, this is, yeah. So everybody kind of stay at your seat. And here's what I want to do. No matter which table you're at, um, this is a meal that we've provided for you. Um, so I want you to find one person at your table to say the blessing on the food that you're about to partake of, okay? So I'll, I'll give you like a moment of silence. Just pick somebody at the table to say the blessing over the food and then go ahead and start praying, okay? One, two, three, go.
Hey, now what I want to do is now that your food has been blessed, um, you guys are welcome to, for the next two or three minutes, um, if you have a bigger table, it'll be a little more difficult. For the next two or three minutes, go ahead and distribute your food and eat and enjoy. Um, We've made brunch for everyone. So go ahead and distribute your food, eat and enjoy. They were supposed to... Can't get the chairs on Oh yeah, his chairs are... Or you guys at least need some, uh... oh, there you go, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, oh, and by the way, um, as you're doing that, I'm going to kind of be going around interviewing you guys and to see what kind of, uh, what kind of food you're going to be eating, okay? So, um, so what I want to do first is come up to this table up here. Um, there we go. Uh, come up to this table up here, and before I... Uh, um, before you guys dig in, um, who here wants to describe what, what you have to eat? Beautiful. It's Kate, hmm? what do you guys have? What are the options here? We got muffins, some bread, and a to- toaster for toast. We got waffles, um, pancakes. pancakes, and we got bacon, Yeah. peanut so butter. You guys have a lot of pancakes, too. That's like 30 pancakes. Um, now, now, guys, the table up here, table one, or the blue table, represents the people in the world who are what we call affluent. That's about 8% of the world's population that has more food than they need to eat every day. Um, that's people in the United States. Um, that's people in some Western countries. You guys can have a seat if you want. You don't have to stand around the trash can the whole time. Um, But I want to let you know about one thing. There's one person at this table who, even though they live among the affluent, people who have enough to eat, even though they go to school with people who have enough to eat, they live in a situation where they don't have enough to eat. So they're people like our backpack kids who get, they eat the school lunch, they eat the school breakfast, and then we send them home with a bag of food for the weekend. So Luke, since even though he's sitting among people that have plenty, Luke has to eat out of this bag. Um, um, even though he's surrounded and he goes to school with people who have plenty to eat um, because of his situation in the United States, um, he's going to be eating that for the weekend. So you don't get to eat any of this, Luke. You, you get to eat what's in the bag, Okay. So that's the first table. Those are the affluent, but g- g- give Luke a hand for being such a good sport, though. Okay? So, so now uh, we're going to go over to this table here. Who here wants to tell me what kind of options you have? Um, George, since you're right here, why don't you tell us what the, the selections are? Well, we had peanut butter and jelly and bread and toaster. Jackson's. And you have a toaster? Not all oh, very, not very nice. Jackson's the toaster guy. Now, what about the the drink? What do you have to drink here? Orange juice and water. That's not that's not bad. You have some coffee. Okay. Now, this, this table here represents 27 percent of the world's population. They're what we call well off. They have enough to eat. Every once in a while, they may be able to have something that they enjoy, like. Um, Sunny D or coffee, but it's it's not a lot of frills. That's 27% of the world eats like this every day. Now we're going to go over here to table three. This table is the largest table because they represent 37% of the world's population. So Brady, tell us about what you guys have to eat for for brunch today. Some rice and some dirty water. water. Has anybody had the dirty water yet? No? I figured some like brave soul would do it. So a- Andrew's loading up on the rice. So 30, 30% of the world, 30% of the world, this is what they eat 
every day. Now we're going to come back here to the red table. Um, 15% of the world is like this. And, and let's see what we have here. The, 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 it's, it's, it's Alex and all the, all, all the lady leaders. Man, look at this. Okay, so, um, so, so Alex, will you tell us what you guys have to eat? Bread and water. Bread and water. So, but what, what, can you tell us something about the water? It's bottled, so it's clean. 15% of the world is what we call just coping, meaning they have just enough to eat every day. They may not know what they're going to eat tomorrow, but they have enough to eat today. Now, we're going to go back to, uh, <laughs> we're going to go back to table five, which is the purple table, and, and this is 10, 10% of the world's population. Drew, I, th- I feel like you would be, you'd be good at explaining this. Will you, will you kind of... Uh, Show um, everybody what you guys have to eat. Maybe kind of tip it so they can, you know, tip it down so they can see. Uh, model this uh, meal for us here. Um, they are eating out of the trash. Do what? Oh, the, the, there is some. Yeah, why don't you just tell us what you see in there? Yeah, yeah. Walk us through your your meal here. So. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> like an hors d'oeuvre type of thing. We have some squeeze butter. Um, there's some granola bars. And there's coffee grinds so. for, our, for our Starbucks lovers out there. Now, our girlies that need caffeine today. Now, is it the blonde roast or the, the regular? Do we know? Regular. Okay. okay. It's the house roast. And then paper towels. Okay, so, so, so they're eating out of the trash. Um, 10% of the world has no food available, and they're left to scrounge in unsanitary conditions for their food. And what do you guys have to drink? Nothing. Nothing. They have no access. Well, there's some liquid in the bottom. We're not sure what all's in that liquid. But... Uh, <laughs> But they have no access to, to clean water here. And then back here, um, Gabe, why don't you tell us what you guys have? We have nothing. Nothing. Um, 10% of the world right here. This is representative of 10% of the world is what we call the desperate. They have absolutely nothing to eat. We have paper, but I don't think that tastes real good. So, so out of all of these scenarios here, um, you guys have had the, had the ability to, um, to, to eat a little bit. Um, and what I'm going to ask you to do is, I mean, you can still eat if you want. Some of you are really down in that rice. I'm, I'm impressed. Um, but as you're eating, what I'm going to ask you to do, if you have chairs or if you're seated, if you will kind of turn and face me for the next couple minutes. And I promise, if you still want to eat that rice, it's going to be there all night. Uh, <laughs> so... It's, 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 it's good stuff. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about, before we get into our lesson, about world hunger. And here are some facts. These are some facts about world hunger. The first is that 2 billion, that's with a B, 2 billion people in the world are undernourished, meaning the food that they eat every day is not enough to sustain their health. That's with a B. How many, does anybody know how many people are in the world? About between six and seven billion. So almost a third of the people in the world do not have enough food to eat. 
1.2 billion people in the world are hungry. 700 million people in the world are severely malnourished, meaning their hunger has gotten to the point that their health is being adversely affected. Um, This is another really sad one is that tonight, tonight, 500 million people in the world are on the verge of starvation, meaning if within the next few days they don't get something to eat, they'll die. 15 million babies each year are born malnourished. 22 million people die each year in the world because they have no food. Not because they got sick, not because they got hit by a car. They died simply because they had no food. Now think about that. Compare that 22 million with, did, did, in your tag, did you talk about how, um, how much food we throw away in the U.S.? It's something like, what, what was the number? Jackson looked it up in our... Uh, $165 billion worth of food we throw away while 22 million people die each year because of no food. 2.2 billion people in the world don't have safe water to drink. Can I, can I borrow your water here real quick? I, I know you're so attached to it, and I know you're so, uh, yeah, you've been drinking so much of it. Uh, yeah, my Corona water. Um, but um, this, uh, this is what a third of the world has to drink. This is what a third of the world drinks. I literally just put dirt in it. So, so. so why are we talking about this? Well, because tonight we're talking about fasting. And I want to ask you, after talking about all this and, and visually seeing where most of us are versus the world, does that concern you when you think about that? I mean, the fact that 22 million people die every year because of no food, that a third of the world doesn't have access to clean water. I mean, does that, after learning about that, does that concern you? The question, though, is why didn't it concern us yesterday? Why hasn't it really been on the forefront of our mind for most of our lives? It's because unless we're reminded, unless something drastic happens to get our attention, we forget. Why is it that there's backpack kids in a city that literally has a church on every corner? I uh, have heard, it was really weird over the past three weeks, I've heard of three different churches in the United States that are going on mission trips And the destination for those three churches, their mission trips, two of them are coming to Huntington, West Virginia. One of them is coming to Barbersville, West Virginia. We talk about taking mission trips to underprivileged people and serving people who are in desperate straits. And people are coming to us because they hear about what's going on in our city. Why are there backpack kids in a city? I mean, you guys drive down Fifth Avenue, right? You know, you know, you know what it's like. It's like church, 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 church. Why, are we, why, are we, why do we have backpack kids in a city that has a church on every corner? I'd submit to you it's because we, as Christians, many of us in the United States, we go to church every Sunday, but our hearts are very far from God. And that's kind of the big kicker of tonight, is that if 
we have a heart for God, it's going to lead to a heart for people. What we're talking about tonight is the thought of, or the concept that's taught in the Bible of fasting. Uh, I've been doing this for nine years here, and we've never taught on fasting. So we are teaching about fasting with a lot of, well, some of you have a lot of food. Uh, so you, do you guys feel kind of guilty for sitting up here with all the food and the, everybody's looking at you? Yeah. Uh, um, we're talking about, some of you feel guilty, some of you don't. We're talking about fasting, but, and maybe you talked about it in your tag groups, like what's the point of fasting? We've heard about it, but why should we fast? Well, the Bible makes a couple, gives us some reasons and makes some promises about why we should fast. And the first reason is Jesus did it. Like, that should be like the, you know, end all, silver bullet, right? You know, Jesus did it, we should do it, right? Jesus fasted. He actually fasted for 40 days, which is a long time to fast. Wouldn't suggest that being your first fast, you know. But Jesus fasted for 40 days. So if we want to follow Jesus and follow in his footsteps, we should fast. Um, Jesus told us to do it. So that's another really good reason, right, if we want to obey Jesus. Um, Fasting strengthens our prayer life. Uh, Fasting brings deliverance from sin and darkness. If if there's certain sins that we just can't beat, fasting brings us deliverance. Um, Fasting is a way for us to express like our returning to God. Fasting humbles us and gives us the right perspective on God. Fasting actually gives us power to reach others. Don't raise your hand, but how many of you know somebody who needs to be saved? Like, like, not necessarily because they're this terrible person, but like, because they, they, they're not saved and you know somebody that needs to be saved and you, you've tried everything you could and you just can't, there's no breakthrough. Fasting has been proven to be the deciding factor. In fact, fasting gives us victory over temptation. So what in the world is fasting? If you don't know what fasting is, I gave like a real like short definition. I think I even put it on the handout just so you have it. But um, fasting is when a follower of Jesus, if you're a Christian, you foregoes food for earnest or good reasons and goals for a set period of time. So fasting means I'm going to skip a meal on this day, and instead of eating, I'm going to pray, I'm going to read my Bible, I'm going to pray for people. And it's all over the Bible. So... Where are you tonight? I just want, to, I want you to think about that. Are you feeling a little frustrated because you're doing all the right things? You guys can sit down if you want. You can come up here and sit down if you want to. I just don't want you to get tired. Um, yeah, you feel like maybe you're doing all the right things, like I'm going to church, like I'm trying to read my Bible, like I'm trying to do like all the spiritual things that I'm not on stage, I can walk all around here, that people talk about like, and that, that Christians are supposed to do, but you feel like you and God, there's so much distance like you can't like get like like that breakthrough and you, you look around and it seems like other people like have this like really awesome relationship with God and you're like trying to copy and do all the things that they're doing but it's just not working for you. What I want you to do is to open your Bible to Isaiah chapter 58. The verses will be on the screen if you need them, but uh, open your Bible to Isaiah 58. And in this chapter of Isaiah, I think we find people <laughs> um, that are a lot like us in that they're doing all the quote-unquote right things, but they feel like there just seems to be so much distance between them and God. And what does God tell them to do? He tells them to fast, and He tells them to fast the right way for the right reasons. So let's look at Isaiah 58, and, and I've got all the verses on here, but we're going to kind of do it verse by verse, just kind of verse by verse by verse. So I'm going to read uh, the first four verses of it, and then we're going to kind of go to our first point. It says, cry aloud, do not hold back, lift up your voice like a trumpet. 
Declare to my people their transgression, to the house of Jacob their sins. Yet they seek me daily, delight to know my ways, as if they're a nation that did righteousness but did not forsake the judgment of God. They ask of me righteous judgments. They delight to draw near to God. Why have we fasted and seen it not? And you see it not? Why have we humbled ourselves and you take no knowledge of it? Behold, in the day of your fast you seek your own pleasure and and oppress all your workers. Behold, you fast only to quarrel and fight and to hit with a wicked fist. Fasting is like this in your day, and it will not make your voice be heard on high. So we learn a couple things that God has to say about fasting and a couple things that God has to say about people who they feel like, and maybe you're like this, you feel like you're very far from God. And here's the first thing that God gives to us, to people like me and maybe like you that feel that way. He gives, I, I double alliterated all my words. Like I had to, I had to like let Jackson know because like Jackson likes to alliterate things too. I double alliterate. The first thing that God gives us is a passionate critique. Look at the passion. If you go down to Isaiah chapter 58 and look at verses 1 through 4, look at this. Sorry, Jeff, I think I skipped a slide on you. Um, um, Look at this passionate critique. The first thing that you notice is the volume that God wants you to hear this at. Look at the volume God wants you. It says in verse 1, cry aloud. He's telling Isaiah to talk to these people of Israel. He says, cry aloud and don't hold back. You know when you're just like ticked at someone? You know when you got to say something, you want to make sure they hear it? You're like, I saw you last night. You know, it, it, you, you, you raise your voice. When so, you're passionate about something, when somebody score, you know, when, when your favorite football team, when the Dallas Cowboys, your Dak Prescott throws that long bomb to Amari Cooper, touchdown, Super Bowl Cowboys, or you're like, yeah, you know, you're like, yeah, baby. You, when you're passionate about something, there's volume. And look what God says to Isaiah. He wants to get these people's attention. So he says, cry aloud and don't hold back. Lift up your voice like a trumpet. Declare to my people their transgression. God wants Isaiah to loudly and passionately let people know that there's something wrong in their relationship with God. Like that something is amiss even though they're doing all the churchy things. And also notice the honesty. Look at what he says about these people and look at what he says about us. It says, they seek me daily, they delight to know my ways, as if they're a nation that did righteousness and did not forsake the judgment of God. They ask me righteous judgments, they delight to draw near to God, and look, they fast, they humble themselves. It says later that they pray to God, but what's happening? They pray to God, and He doesn't answer. They do all the churchy things, and He doesn't turn towards them. And and why was that? It's because you can look and see in verse 3, he says, In the day of your fast, you seek your own pleasure. They refused to sacrifice their wants for what God had for them. And we do that pretty often still sometimes. You know, we, sacrifice what, what you, we, we refuse to sacrifice what we want for what God wants. You know, we want a certain career path. God's telling us to do different. We're like, I want what? I want. We want to go out with a person even though they're bad news and God has you know, standards and plans for us and, and, and we say, I want to do that. We still follow our own pleasures too. And he says, not only do you follow your own pleasures, you oppress all your workers, meaning you're not kind and you're not merciful towards other people. So you see the, you see, you see the connection? People who don't serve God, who serve their own pleasure, or they serve their own like agendas, 
are some of the most unkind people you'll ever meet. And maybe you, you know those kind of people. People that are out for themselves, people that are about what they want and when they want it, are some of the most unkind people you'll ever meet. So if we don't submit to God, we will never have the right heart for others. And then also, I put notice the salt. God gets a little salty with, the, with these people. And I think, I believe God gets a little salty with us when we pretend like we're religious, but we really aren't clo- as close to God as we pretend to be. He says, fasting like yours this day will not make your voice be heard on high. That's a scary thought to me, yeah, to, to know that if, if I pretend to worship God and I don't worship God, that it, it hurts my ability to pray effectively to Him. That when I call God does not answer. And maybe you feel like that too. Um, maybe you feel like you're just not getting anywhere. Maybe you realize that, man, I'm, I, I'm not the most kind person toward others either. You want that relationship with God, but you can't make it happen. So God gives something else. Um, God gives a very practical correction Look at verses 5 through 7. You, you know me, I'm a highlight. You know, we, you know, we teach in our Bible study labs that we're bringing back this summer. Um, you, you always look for like repeating words and repeating phrases. And there's this one phrase that repeats in verses 5 through 7. Three times he asks a rhetorical question. You know what I mean by rhetorical question? He's like, yeah, yeah. he says in verse 5, is that such the fast that I choose? Verse 6, is not this the fast that I choose? Verse 7, is not to share your bread with the hungry the fast that I choose? So three times God outlines the way that we should, as people who follow Jesus, fast. And the first, you know, the, the first reason we should fast, um, it says in verse 5, is to humble ourselves before God. It says, a day for a person to humble himself, to bow down his head like a reed, to fall down at, at God's face. And this, you, God's not asking you to do something that Jesus didn't already do. In Matthew chapter 4, we learned that Jesus fasted 40 days and 40 nights. In Matthew chapter, chapter 9, Jesus predicted that when he would die on the cross, raise from the dead, and go back to heaven, that it would be time for people who believed in him. There would be time for them to fast and they should fast. He said, when you fast in Matthew 9. And, and that is something that God calls us to do. The, at the end of verse 5, it says, will you call this a fast and a day acceptable to the Lord? The right motive for us of fasting, the reason that we do it, you know, why, why would you, who in the right mind would skip a meal? It's because we know it, 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 it kind of, it, it cuts away at our desires and it pulls us into desiring God. It makes us humble. It gives us the right motive to please God. And it also creates something. If you're like me, I get up early to read my Bible, and sometimes I don't read it as much as I should, or sometimes I don't read it like I should, because I run out of time to read my Bible and to spend time with God. You know, we live very busy lives, and whether we have excuses or not, whether that busy means we fill it with a lot of social, or we have practice and assignments and, homeworks and, ga- and homework and games and stuff like that, we all are so busy. Everybody makes time for a meal. Everybody eats. Yeah, the, the fact that you're walking, talking, eating, breathing today means that you find time to eat. So when we skip one of those meals and give time to God, it creates margin in our life for God. Fasting also softens our heart toward people in need, and we're not going to have enough time to talk about all this tonight, unfortunately, because we spent a lot of time eating. Um, it says in verse 6, is this not the fast that I choose to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free? There were a lot of people who were living, um, 
lives that were being targeted by other people. People were being unkind to them, taking advantage of them. And he says that when you fast, it softens your heart towards people. He says when you, in verse 7, is it not for you to share your bread with the hungry? So fasting opens up. You, if, if you're not eating food, you can take that food that you didn't eat and give it to somebody who needs to eat. Um, share your bread with the hungry to bring the poor and the homeless into your house. When you see the naked, to cover him and not hide yourself from your own flesh. So God says, here are the two reasons to, to fast. One, so you can connect with me. And two, so you can have your heart opened up toward people in need. The third thing he says is a promised comeback. I like comeback stories. And some of you said I was too hard on Tom Brady, so I'd put a picture of Tom Brady on there as the comeback, as the comeback king, even though I think he's a punk. I put him on there just to satisfy you guys. But if you were to go through the rest of this chapter, you see a bunch of if-then statements. So God says, if you do this, then I'll do this. If you do this, then I'll do this. Like, if you do this, then I'll do this. So look at the if statements. He says, if you cease your injustice and divisiveness, if you use fast to make you a more Christ-like person towards others, and some of us really need to do that, right? Some of us really need to fast so that we can stop being such divisive people. If you pour yourself out for others, meaning we stop living for ourselves and we live for God and others, verse 10. He says in verse 13, if you put margin back into your life, in verse 14, or 13 he says, if you start honoring me over honoring pleasing yourself, here are the promises. Here are the things that are going to happen to you. And tell me you don't want these things to happen in your life. Verses 8 and verses, verse 10, we see that darkness flees. Verse 8, it says, then your light will break forth like the dawn. Spiritual healing occurs in verse 8. It says your healing will spring up speedily. You'll have the power to live right. You know, what's, what's one of the, if you were to ask my opinion, if you struggle with pornography, and I know that's an epidemic in, in our gen, my generation, your generation, if you struggle with pornography, maybe one of the greatest ways to beat that struggle and that addiction is to fast because you are, you are telling your body that it's in second place to the glory of God and God's truth gives you the power to live right. In verse 8, it says, righteousness will hem you in. It'll go before you and behind you. In verse 9, this is a really cool promise. Then you shall call and the Lord will answer. You want God to answer your prayers in a big, crazy way? Start fasting. God will bring restoration to your life, verses 11 and 12. God will lift you up, verse 14. Verses 11 and 14, God will satisfy your desires with himself. And this is my favorite one in verse 14. It says, I will feed you with the heritage of your father, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. These were Israelite people, Jewish people, who a long time ago God had worked in some really cool ways in their country and among their people, but God had stopped moving because they had turned away from God. What would happen if a group of teenagers in Huntington, West Virginia, decided for the next couple weeks, they would forego one meal a week and start praying to God, start asking Him to work in their lives, and start asking Him to open up their heart towards other people. Can you imagine what would happen? Yeah, 400 years ago, there was something that happened in the United States called the Great Awakening, and it was started by teenagers who started praying, who started believing in God, who started witnessing. 200 years later, there was what was called the Second Great Awakening, once again, started by teenagers. 200 years later, it's 2020. And who says we can't have another great awakening? Our country turning around, our community turning around because of you guys. It says this in verse 12. It says, um, I missed it. 
There it is. It says that you will raise up the foundations of many generations and you will be called the repairer of the breach. That's a kind of cool title. I'd like to introduce myself. Like, hi, my name is Matt McClay, repairer of the breach. Yeah. But what it has to do is it, it has to do with like a, a wall that is crumbling and someone who comes and fixes it and holds it together. And what if in, while our society is crumbling, there's a whole group of us because we're totally devoted to God. We are the repairers of the breach and we hold what is crumbling together through the power of God. So I've been trying to convince you to fast. And here's the how, and we're going to get out of here. It's on the back of your handout, and it's very practical. And I want to ask you to commit to doing this. If you want to reclaim your heart for God this spring, the first thing I want to ask you to do is commit to fasting until Easter. (laughs) Not like any food. (laughs) Like to skip a meal a week leading up to Easter. And there's some specific ways that you can do that on your handout, some like commitments that you can make. Pick a day pick of the week. Pick a meal out of that day. And instead of eating that meal, open your Bible, read it, and pray to God. The next thing I want to ask you to do is use the time margin created by fasting to reconnect with God. So instead of just filling up that meal you're skipping with Instagram, fill it up with God. Fill it up with prayer and reading the Bible. The third thing I want to ask you to do, this is very, very, very specific, is use the money margin created by fasting to buy Pop-Tarts for our backpack kids. They say the average meal in America costs $5 a person. I mean, I think that's a little expensive, but hey. A box of Pop-Tarts costs $3. We have now crossed the threshold. We have 100 backpack kids that we support, that we give, just like Luke here, <laughs> yeah, um, that we give food to every weekend. It costs our church $3,500 a month to feed these kids. We think it's worth it. But we don't know if we can take on any more kids. So what we're going to be doing over the next couple weeks as a youth group is we're going to be doing a Pop-Tart drive. We're going to make it a tag competition, make it fun. But what if you take that $3 a week that you're fasting or $4 a week, that meal that you're skipping, and you literally something as simple as buy a box of Pop-Tarts, bring it on Wednesday, and we can reach people through the margin we've created through fasting. The next thing is, while fasting, pray for one person that you know needs to be saved. From now until Easter, put one person, I've even put a blank so that you can write that person's name down. Who needs to be saved that you know of? Write that person's name down for the next four weeks, starting next week at Refuel. All of the the, the lessons are going to be about the cross, about how you can find salvation in Jesus. So start praying for that person. Invite them one of those four weeks so they can come hear about Jesus. And the final thing is maybe the reason you're so far from God is because you've never come to Jesus. Um, so maybe for some of you, you need to give your heart to Jesus tonight. But you see, when our heart connects with the heart of God, we start developing a heart for people. And the best way to connect our heart to God's heart is to do what he tells us to do and fast. I know you're probably going to have a lot of questions about this one. So I'll be around. Um, you can always text me. Send me, a, uh, send me a direct message. Um, but this is something the Bible teaches. And as you can see, our world is in desperate need of some Christians to connect their heart to the heart of God. Thanks again for listening to the Refuel podcast. If you have any questions or would like to review the notes from this podcast, be sure to download the Refuel app from the App Store on any mobile device.